Today is a great day. Um, I'm a little contagious with uh, some kind of virus that has hit my entire house. Has anyone else gotten something like this? Um, they say that I should stay away, like at least 50 feet away from anybody, um, or else they could get it. So I just wanted to make you all feel really comfortable to start out today's message. So I'll, I'll, I'll preach from back here. Is that okay? Um, I'm holding a coffee cup. It's my kryptonite against handshakes today, so I don't have to shake your hand, but I can just smile and get that twinkle of my eye. Um, but uh, today we're talking about a different con- kind of contagiousness. We're talking about the contagious, uh, contagious teachings of Jesus, the contagious love of Christ, that there was a moment at the beginning of Jesus's ministry when he talks to his disciples and he talked to the crowds. First, of course, he, he went into the wilderness, then he went out from the wilderness, and he started teaching in Galilee when he heard about John the Baptist's arrest. Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And then he did these healings and teachings, and many, many people started to follow him from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Jordan, and the, and the beyond. I like the beyond. I want to be from there. I think we are, in a way. And, and it said that Jesus saw these great crowds, and he went up the hill, and he dis- dismounted, and he started to teach them. And he started to teach them things like, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Things that uh, twisted their world and their minds and this made them think, this is not how I've experienced the world. And so we've been going through these teachings of Jesus through a series called High Altitude Faith because we really do believe that this is, this is a challenge. This is a climb for so many people to try to understand what Jesus is talking about. When he says that you need to, before you go to worship, you need to set down your offering. Remember, Becca talked about that last week. And you need to go and reconcile with your brother and sister. And then go back into worship. See, Jesus is challenging us. He's challenging the way that we've come to think the world works. And he's saying, just because you think the world works this way doesn't mean that's the way it was intended to work. And that's not the way the kingdom of heaven is going to be brought about one day at a time. And so today we are looking at a last section of the Sermon on the Mountain, this high-altitude faith, before next week we go straight to the top of the mountain. This week, Jesus tells us a text, and and it's addressing and confronting head-on some of the truisms that people had come to accept about the world. And he says, those aren't true. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, you have heard that it was said... There's a scripture. I think we can get it up here so you guys can read along. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you to take your coat, give them your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, again, another truism Jesus is addressing. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward is there? 
Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven as is perfect. Wow. I don't know about you, but this is a challenge. This is like that last climb up to the summit when you're at the highest mountain you can imagine. And it's tough. Because I don't know about you, loving my enemy doesn't come, at least it feels naturally. Hating my enemy, now that's really easy. Having, wanting revenge against my enemy, wanting revenge against someone who's taken something from me is something that, that I feel I could probably jump on the bandwagon for. But Jesus starts to describe enemies to people because he is making an assertion here. He's saying there are enemies in this world. You have enemies. I have enemies. We all have enemies in this world. See, enemies, he says, well, let me make it clear for you. Remember the people who slap you on the right on, on the right side of your cheek, on your, on your right cheek. Those people, those are your enemies. And people that he was speaking to at the time could relate because they had experienced, many of them, the very same thing. And Jesus says, do you remember those people who just use the law and they try to sue you? They're litigators and they just try to sue you and they don't even really care about you or the law or anything else, but they just want to take what you have. Boy, it sounds familiar, right? It seems like the world hasn't changed a lot. A lot of people saying, oh, things were so different back in biblical times. Really? Sure sounds familiar to me. And then he says, if someone forces you to go a mile, go also the second mile. Hmm. Back then, there was a kind of agreement, actually, was a law that the Roman soldiers, at any point, could, they're an occupying force. These were not Romans Jesus was talking to. There were people who were living in Galilee, and the land was occupied by Roman soldiers. And a Roman soldier at any point could stop you on your way to whatever you were doing and tell you that you needed to drop everything you were holding and carry something for them a mile. Carry one mile. That was the law. Jesus says, you know what you do in that situation? You go a second mile. You blow their minds. You take charge of the situation. And then Jesus even goes into this little piece, and it sounds so altruistic, it sounds so wonderful. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not, do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Well, the reality is that these are the broken relationships. That so many times we've experienced you loan something to someone, or you give something to someone, and you see them wasted or throw it away. Isn't that the kind of thing that makes us resistant to continuing to be altruistic and give things away, that we just become jaded and cynical about the way the world works, don't we? Start to think, oh, well, that person's just going to abuse my kindness. That person's going to walk all over me. Jesus says, hey, that's the call of the cross. And then he goes into one other truism. He starts to address this, this, this thing that people have, have latched onto. They've said, this is, this is true, and this is going to help you live a healthier, more wonderful life. If you just believe that if you love your neighbor and hate your enemy, everything's going to be great. This is where Jesus gets into theology. And he starts to talk about the relationship between us and God. See, he says, hold on a second. You see, God loves His love is for everybody. So that means that God sends rain. You know, rain is something that makes plants grow. As you know, we need rain. But God sends rain on people who are 
evil, who are unrighteous, and people who are righteous. It says that God makes the sun rise on people who are good and on people who are evil. Now this stands in the face of actually some theological teachings today that are called the prosperity gospel. The idea is that if you're really good enough, God's going to give you a Cadillac. But I got good news for you. People who are good get Cadillacs. People who are bad get Cadillacs. People who are good have bad things happen to them. And people who are bad have bad things happen to them. God's love is not a love that changes in response to the way that your heart changes. Whether you're up or down, God is going to love you more or less given the day. No, God's going to continue to love you and love you and love you all the time. That may be big news for someone in here. That may have just turned your world upside down. I don't know about you, but it changes my thinking completely. And then Jesus gets into this other piece. He says, he kind of clarifies, he says, If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. Ouch. Jesus called them tax collectors. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about the IRS here. (laughs) That's a different thing. The tax collectors there were brothers and sisters who were co-opted by the government officials in order to fleece their people of money that they needed in order to live. But the tax collectors went a step further. They took more money for themselves so they could get rich. So they were taking money from people who had no money. And they were just filling their bank accounts. They weren't just working for the government officials, for the Roman officials. They were also stealing. And so at that time, they were people thought they were despicable. People did not like tax collectors at all. They were the enemy. Tax collectors were the enemy. So when Jesus says, your behavior is just the same as a tax collector if you love those who love you. Because in truth, there is really nothing more selfish than just loving people who love you, is there? Because if you give a gift to someone who gives you a gift, it just makes you feel good. It's something that's, that's kind of easy. But to love people who hurt you, to love people who want to bring you down, who want to break you, Now, if you start to think about what the definition of an enemy is, you should start to think of someone who wants to break you, who wants to take something that you have, who wants to destroy your integrity. Think of a perfect china cup. And what they want to do is they want to break you. Now, people may want to take your job. They may even be people within your own company that want to take your job. They may want to take your house. They may want to take the things that you own. They may want to take your car. Those are the easy ones, but they may also want to take your spouse. Or they may want to take your kids. Or they may want to destroy your innocence or the innocence of your family members. See, these people are dead set on breaking you. And why are they doing it? Because it furthers their own aims. It's people who will stop at nothing in order to increase their kingdom on the face of this earth. So what they do is there's your ideals and your life and there's their life and they come in conflict, but they don't care. So what they're going to do is do anything in order to further their cause. These are enemies. They're real. They're media companies that want to put out stuff and they know that it's going to make you into an unhealthy person. But they're still going to put out that stuff because they know that it's going to increase their bank accounts. Right? There are enemies if you don't see them around you. Open your eyes. You have enemies 
in this world. I love the other way that I've heard this said, love your, loving those who love you. What reward is there? Have you ever heard the slogan, it's nice to be nice to the nice? It's just so nice to be nice to the nice, isn't it? Then Jesus kind of hits home. He says, you know, it's, it's like this. If you only greet your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Ah. You know, you have this picture of a church on one side over here, and every Sunday people go and they greet the people that they know. And that church just is kind of happy for a little while, and then it gets smaller. And it, its vision gets smaller and it slowly starts to die and people get old and they don't have any new people coming into the church or even new vision or new mission. And it just starts to deteriorate. And in a weird way, they start to lose their joy because that's the one thing that they wanted to hold on to in their life because they just wanted to greet their friends when they went to church on Sunday. And then you have this church over here that they are greeting the enemies. They're greeting the people that have hurt them. They're greeting the people that have wounded them. They're greeting strange people, people that frighten them, that scare them. They're doing strange things in order to further the gospel, to make sure that people can understand and experience the unconditional, overflowing love of Jesus Christ in this world, like directly channeling God's love to others. When I first came to this church, I came undercover. Because I'd heard about this church and I talked to Reverend O'Grady and he said, you know, you should check it out. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you, you'd, you feel God's calling to you, to, calling you to this, but check it out. Personnel committee had contacted me. And so what I did is I came undercover and I came inside of this room here. My first Sunday here. And I sat in these chairs. And I'm telling you, I was scared. I, I was, I felt awkward. I didn't know anyone. The landscape was different. It was strange to me. And then I sat down before worship. And by the way, if you haven't been to this worship service, there's not a lot of people who sit down before worship in this space. But I sat down before worship. And someone came up to me. And that person said, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Are you new around here? Would you, uh, would you like to, to grab a cup, cup of coffee? It's over there. And then I had a little chat and I lied a little bit. And I'm here to see my grandma, you know. She, she, she goes to this church. It's probably pretty obvious. And then a few minutes passed and worship started. And Richard Petty's got up to lead worship. That was the guy that said hi to me. See, what Richard did for me there is he, he let me know what kind of congregation this was. And for the rest of the day, I had people saying hello to me, and I was the new guy. And I knew immediately that this is a congregation who cares passionately about Jesus Christ. That actually takes the words that are in here and allows them to penetrate their hearts and allows them to open up circles. Open up those circles that are almost like fortresses on Sunday where they have your backs to other people around and you're just so happy to see your friends on Sunday. And you open up those circles and let other people in so the circle gets wider and the love is experienced by more people every single day. See, Jesus did not just preach this. He walked the walk. Some people who say, you talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Jesus walked the walk. Jesus walked the walk when the Roman officials slapped him across the side of the cheek. Jesus walked the walk when he was forced to carry his cross. 
Not a mile, but half a mile, but he was forced to carry that cross by a Roman official. Jesus walked the walk when he was hung by his enemies on the cross and he stood there and he hung there, I should say, and he forgave them. And he even turned to the criminal on the cross beside him and he said, today, this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. But there's this thing that happens. There's this thing that happened to that criminal on the cross. You see, there was this moment when he understood and acknowledged that for most of his life he had been the enemy. That for most of his life, even though he had maybe even recognized it, that he had been the enemy of God. And as we start to reflect on our lives, we can think back and probably find moments in which we've turned our back on God, who has been our best friend ever since we were born and before that. When we have denied God in the face of others, when people say, hey, anybody a Christian in here? And we kind of say, eh, a little bit. When we have denied the love of God to the people around us in our everyday life, by not giving a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty, or not stopping and helping someone who's in need, See, in a lot of ways, we are that person. But there's hope. Jesus says there's hope. And it comes at the very end of this passage. And it sounds overwhelming. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Oh, great, Jesus. You're just going to tell us to be perfect. That's, thank, thank, thank you for that help. But when you think about perfection, I want you to think about that china cup again. I want you to think about the china cup unbroken. Something that has integrity, that has never been broken. That is beautiful. And I want you to think about God's love as something like that. Perfect. Unbroken. And what Jesus is saying is we have a choice in this life. Are we going to be shaped by the enemies and the wounds of this world? Are we going to reflect that? Are we going to be sucked into a cycle of anger and hate and hurt? Or are we going to be transformed by the perfect love of God? And to be vehicles, to be channels by which God's love is directed to the hurting world around us. I I love this one. Whenever I encounter someone who's hurting me, and I want to hurt back sometimes, I tell myself and I remind myself that hurt people hurt people. Does that make sense? The people who hurt are the people who are hurting. They're the ones who are most in need Of the love of Jesus Christ. And that's the moment when God is testing us. He's giving us an opportunity. And don't think of a test as, oh, I'm going to get a failing grade or a passing grade. Think of a test as in, awesome, this is the chance where I get to put my faith to the test. It's go time. Amen. Dear Lord, transform us. Help us to be your loving hands and feet in this broken world. Thank you for loving us even when we have not been loving to you, God. And we've not been loving to our friends and we've not been loving to our enemies as you've called us to do. Break open those circles that we have created in order to somehow build our kingdom and a kingdom that we believe looks beautiful, Lord, and help us to understand that your vision for us and for this church and for our lives is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. Lord, fill us with a passion. Fill us with a joy that comes from loving the hurting people of this world with your perfect love and not being turned into enemies by enemies, 
but by constantly keeping our eyes on you, Lord. Pray this, Lord, because we need you. We need you so much. Can't do this without you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.